Hello everyone, this is John Frangella and my podcast is all about business and manufacturing. Everything to do with advanced manufacturing, AI, machine learning, investments, crowdfunding, cybersecurity, education, entrepreneurship, finance, and uh, human resources. And the list goes on. Hope you enjoy and looking forward to your comments. Okay, everyone. Uh, our uh, our guest here is Rocky Stefano and the company's uh, Identita. And uh, Rocky's, uh, just a little intro on Rocky's background. He's got a Bachelor of Science and a degree in Computer Science. Uh, and uh, also uh, the... Uh, the uh, company is involved in uh, the power card identity provider, which is security, and uh, and you know of course Rocky will get into more details of that. And uh, buddy, what's going on? How how's everything? <laughs> hey John, how you doing? Good. A little good. bit uh, a little bit crappy weather outside today. Yes, I can see it was was a minus uh, minus eighteen. And now there's slush everywhere. <laughs> yeah, only in Canada can you uh, deviate in, temp- in uh, temperature over 40 degrees in two days. I know, I know. That's why we're crazy. I guess crazy Canucks is the w- where the word comes from. I guess exactly. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh, let's uh, dive right in. And you know, uh, you know, our listeners want to hear, uh, you know, about the cybersecurity and and all the information around being safe in in the workplace and and the uh, you know residential applications love to hear more about that you know tell sure. them yeah well actually uh, the company is almost 20 years old and uh, when we started up uh, it was uh, because of a lack of security that we had found when uh, we were uh, doing installations uh, as part of other companies uh, with the founding members and so we originally uh, my original uh, uh, what do I want to call it, a uh, foray into computers was uh, at a, a small uh, small company in Canada called uh, Northern Telecom. And uh, Nortel uh, was uh, the preeminent producer of uh, uh, telephone uh, equipment back in uh, the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, and um, I was there uh, near the end of its life, uh, just before it had filed for bankruptcy. Uh, and uh, I gained most of my uh, production uh, manufacturing experience in electronics, uh, manufacturing shop floor experience at Nortel uh, when I was there uh, up until about age 24. And uh, then I um, went to work uh, at a law firm, uh, which bored the hell out of me, but was lucky enough to meet my wife. And uh, thereafter, started doing what I really wanted to do, which was to start up Identita, and uh, uh, at the end of the day, we are uh, an embedded security service provider. We provide custom electronics manufacturing to our customers uh, in a variety of uh, form factors, but primarily credit card form factors. That's our specialty. That's what our embedded uh, manufacturing specializes in, basically putting battery-powered circuits into a credit card and uh, providing customers a way of transporting what would normally uh, be technology that would be, uh, you know, chained to your desktop or chained to your desk, uh, and we can now put it in your wallet or a lady's purse uh, just as easily. So you're finding that the, the, the mobile applications like cards and, 
and fobs and, and, and you know again I'm not a, I'm not an expert in this field but you find that mobile is there more is, is the world going that route is it well it's it's actually the mobile explosion that happened uh, ten years ago uh, that all the miniaturization of electronic components that actually allowed us uh, to actually do so much more than we were currently able to so we had to spend uh, back in the day uh, say in uh, back in the day, 2004, for example, uh, we'd have to spend uh, eighty to hundred thousand dollars in tooling to get a custom part made by uh, TI uh, or uh, microchip in order to produce something that we could put into a credit card. And today, uh, almost any standard part can be put into a credit card form factor uh, for as little as you know ten thousand dollars in tooling, and that's not because it's difficult to do. Uh, not difficult to do, rather, but uh, because uh, the miniaturization of components for the mobile phone has pushed everything so small that it's made it very easy for us to go just that extra step into a credit card. And uh, security has gotten um, so good that uh, hackers have had to push most of fraud today online. So uh, from a commercial perspective, I'd say that most fraud uh, is no longer evident at point of sale. Most of it is online, uh, about 99% of it. Uh, the only country in the world that has any evidence of point of sale fraud left is the United States, and that's only because uh, they're the last country in the world to finally roll out chip and pin products. Wow, wow. That's uh, that's yeah, and and and, and your 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 clients are mostly like companies that are, in, of course, retail, but also is there other other businesses that can use the security? Um, our, our our customers range uh, mm. everywhere from uh, private to um, you know government to right. military to uh, you know commercial uh, educational. Uh, we've done schools, we've done airlines. Uh, We've done nonprofits, uh, so we've done a number of different projects. Uh, you know, uh, relating most of the time around security. Right, right. So basically, it's all the point of contact. Something it's it's a physical action. Is there any any areas of security that your that your company is involved in that is more on the software side, like? You know, with, with all this communication and server protection, is there anything that you guys work with? Is that an area that you might be focusing on, or you're already currently working? You mean, on the, you mean server like software protection on the server side? Y yes, uh, things no. like, like like communication and how do you make sure that you know that we're you know certain discussions are not going into the wrong hands of like the say. You, know, the, you mean encry encrypted conversation? Yeah, is there anything that's... Well, there's, there's tons of software out there right, um, already today that does that for you, like, say, mm -hmm. Skype or WhatsApp or whatnot. Right, but, right, they're all encrypted. Uh, but, I mean, for um, some uh, customers that we have which want to go the extra step, um, police forces, uh, certain government entities, uh, we've designed, for instance... Uh, super thin um, SIM cards. Mm -hmm. Think of it like a SIM card sticker. Right. And it actually sticks to the actual SIM card in your phone, and we can actually encrypt the, the, uh, the phone conversations between the, uh, the, the people on either end of that uh, phone line, whether it's uh, regular phones or even cell phones. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
with, I guess with with the with the uh, with the increase of technology, there's you need more security, as they say, right? Well, you always have to be one step ahead. I mean, as soon as you create something, uh, hackers instantly try, you know, uh, find a way around it. So, you know, when uh, Mastercard provided uh, tap and pay, mm-hmm. um, you know, years ago, um, hackers quickly found out that. Uh, it took them less than a couple of months to find out that, uh, that even though it was a very convenient technology, that the wireless technology was basically completely in the clear. So when you tap your card at a point-of-sale terminal, um, the only thing that's being transmitted is exactly what's on the Mac stripe. And even though nobody uses a Mac stripe anymore, um, it's the exact Mac stripe details that are being transmitted by a tap-and-pay transaction. So at the end of the day, even though everybody's gone to chip and pin, the fact that everybody wants convenience and quick checkouts at Starbucks, tap-and-pay represents a complete avoidance of chip and pin. So people don't want to do chip and pin because it takes a little bit longer to do the transaction and they don't want to wait in line, so they tap their card. But somebody you know, standing in an elevator with you uh, with 10 other people can copy everybody's card, uh, you know, with about $15 of electronics in their pocket, uh, simply because of your desire to have convenience. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I read this a few years ago that, you know, you could be walking in, in Walmart with your wallet and someone could just walk by you and, 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 you know, take your information. Is that still happening? All the time. All the time. And it's, really? Yeah, all the time. And it's, it is really the main reason why, uh, for instance, uh, this year MasterCard is going to be announcing that uh, all credit cards uh, produced this year moving forward uh, in small quantities this year, but eventually next year it will be huge quantities. Uh, uh, all credit cards have a fingerprint sensor on the credit card itself. Mm-hmm. And you'd say, well, what do you need a fingerprint on your credit card for? And it's not to protect the chip and pin transaction because that's really secure. It's to protect the tap and pay transaction. Right. It, it's so that when you tap your card, the only way the antenna will transmit the information is if your finger touches the card first. Oh, I see. I see. So, is there technology that you can use as a second layer to, let's say, you know, like you know, I have a software that like has I don't know how many how many passwords and usernames I have to keep, and they're all they're all different. Is there something that can help me manage? And as an owner, to have some kind of chip that can say, uh, like you're going, you're going to a site or you're going to a website, and it knows it's you, and you don't have to keep entering that. You know, is is that, is that even does that even exist? Like, you know, because I have to always log in. What's my password? What's my username? I have to go in. And I have to go f- on my oh, password. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that software is commonly known as single sign-on or a mm. SSO, and right. it's uh, it's very common. Uh, with larger enterprises, mm-hmm. a lot of small companies don't use it, and uh, certainly individuals don't uh, get around to doing it. Um, the problem with single sign-on type uh, software is mm-hmm. it's extremely complex to integrate and uh, and to, to to roll out across an enterprise. So a lot of people don't bother. Uh, however, a lot of companies like Google and Microsoft today have made it really, really easy to do. So uh, if people were to look into things like uh, Google Office or Microsoft Office 365, um, those two packages alone uh, allow somebody to have an interface uh, for their uh, office, 
not only their desktops, but all their web logins uh, done in such a way so that you can use the same password uh, but log into every single website that you go to. Uh, the only difference is that they enable uh, what's called uh, two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, two-factor authentication is uh, uh, what you, who you are and what you have. So if you remember, some people uh, would carry around those key fobs that have those little displays on them with six numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so those, those are called two-factor authentication key fobs. And uh, we have basically taken those key fobs mm -hmm. and put them inside credit cards. We've even gone a step further uh, and done it so that we've created what's called uh, audio smart cards. So we've, uh, we've got a patented uh, technology called an acoustic smart card. And uh, when somebody uses it to log into the web, um, it sounds a little bit like this. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when a mobile phone captures that signal right. uh, or your PC captures it, uh, the microphone on your PC or whatnot, uh, the computer takes that sound, processes it, uh, and it uses it to make sure that you're the original intended recipient uh, for the login of that website of choice or the program that you're going going on to or logging into your bank or whatnot. And uh, that's how we make sure our customers are secure. Wow. Uh, tell me a bit more about the accomplishment, your accomplishment that shaped your career, like all the steps of, of saying, you know what, this is where I, where I belong. <laughs> this is where my world is and, and I'm obsessed about it. How did it, like, what is the, what is the, you know, the things that made you, you know, become, oh, I am. yeah. Love to well, know. there were, there was no real single defining um, uh, project. Um, we've done so many successful things at Identita that I'm really proud of everything that we've done here. I guess when I was younger, uh, there were a lot of things uh, that I was proud of. Um, you know, at Nortel, uh, we were par part of a team, uh, you know, only 20 guys that took care of over 5,000 people. That was unheard of back in the day. Right. Um, you know, we were really good at what we did. Uh, back at the law firm that I used to work at, uh, there was uh, a staff of three, including myself, at a law firm, you know, that had... 350 people at it, and we took care of it with three people. Uh, and that was because of the knowledge I took with me from Nortel, uh, that, you know, that, that background in enterprise uh, computing management. Um, and then at Identita, we've had fantastic projects like uh, installs with uh, Etihad Airways, uh, you know, the Korean Custom Services, Right. Uh, b banks all over the world. Uh, we've done some really exciting projects. So, so is there a project that forced you to be innovative and creative? Was there was there a time, you know, d you know, during the the, the journey, uh, the twenty years that there was a couple of projects or one project that you say, you know, it was a situation that was like, oh my God, is that roadblock? But it kind of forced you to become innovative or creative. Can you can you share with us that story? Or yeah. Yeah, we had a we had a project uh, where we had to automate a process in our factory, uh, and our our factory even 15 years ago was extremely automated. Um, it was as automated as a uh, you know as a GM car automation factory, uh, you know, roboticized. And then at the end of the day, we realized there was this process uh, that we simply just could not attach a robot to. 
Uh, now, today, it, it can be easily automated, but 15 years ago, it was really difficult. And uh, the answer, believe it or not, was um, hiring moms that didn't have anything to do during the day when their kids were at school, and we hired them to do uh, an extremely manual input process that couldn't be automated with a robot. It just, it had to be double-checked by a human. And so we hired 10 moms, regular moms. Oh, wow. That, that was like <laughs> literally the, the huge, you know, the, the huge leap of technology that we did uh, was to hire 10 regular people to come in and basically double-check what a computer was doing uh, because it was being uh, processed by computer vision and it wasn't perfect. And so we had to have a, a person double-check what the robot vision did to make sure that the numbers we got were absolutely perfect because there was no going back. Once we programmed the chip, it was done and we couldn't change it after the fact. So the fact that uh, you know we took a completely automated factory but the defining factor were 10 ladies that were absolutely wonderful, had nothing to do with computing, didn't even know how to operate a computer, uh, followed really str a strict set of 10 rules on a computer they sat in front of, uh, but were the linchpin in how we delivered a product to a customer you know, over 10 years ago. Right, right. That's uh, yeah. I mean, these are things. Sometimes you're you 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 fall into a situation. You say, you know, what do I do? And you, you say, you know, what well, this makes most sense at, at the time, right? And and yeah, that that uh, you know, I can see that as a as a sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes the most complex problem doesn't require the most complex right. answer. Right, right. What do you you know? What do you hope to accomplish within the next year? Well. Um, we are expanding into Africa. Mm -hmm. um, this is one of our biggest markets. Uh, Africa is quickly becoming like the Dubai of the Middle East. Uh, tons of expansion, uh, tons of growth. Um, there are areas of Africa that are just exploding right now, and they have huge requirements for technology at the moment, particularly security. Um, you would be shocked. Uh, to hear, you know, uh, how um, perilous it could be in Africa for a country. Right. Uh, for instance, just today, uh, we found out that uh, because of an underwater um, accident, uh, uh, an undersea cable got damaged, and the Republic of Tongo uh, is going to be without um, uh, any financial transactions for over a month. Cool. So could you imagine Canada being offline? not being able to go to the store and process a transaction for a month. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's sometimes you have to step back and, uh, you know, uh, enjoy what you have. Right, right. No, it's, we, you know, uh, we forget sometimes there are parts of the world that, uh, that are not as, uh, you know, as uh, fluid in, in, in how things are done and, and, and safety and, you know, and food and, and comfort. There's other countries that are, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, to, hard to see that. Unless, unless you're there and seeing it, you don't, you know, you read about it, and you don't, you know, you don't hear about it. That, that's why some of my, uh, some of my, uh, my topics will be, you know, will be about people that have seen that and to share with 
with North Americans or Europeans and and try to understand the, sure. the you know the sure. there's a real there's a reality out there and 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 and, there, and, and it's based on on many many parts of of the equation and, and yeah, there's a lot of things that we take for granted that uh, right. you know that uh, they don't even count on so how do social economic environmental technology technological legal and political environments impact your business like what are some of the ch challenges that you're finding right now that uh, that that you're you know, that you're going to be overcoming in the next uh, two two years three years five years um, not too many from that perspective in our business I mean okay. there's not many things that impact our business in terms of uh, economic impact for instance so there's a lot of other uh, business verticals that suffer, for instance, if oil is not available or if the price of oil goes up or down or whatnot. Uh, for us, security is kind of a constant. Mm -hmm. It's required everywhere globally uh, in some areas of the world more than others. Um, you know, uh, if you, I hate to say it, but where there, wherever there's conflict, there's always a more of a demand for security than, uh, than others. Right. Uh, I always say that... Uh, it's we're a Canadian company, and yet the hardest place to sell our products is our in our own backyard right. because it's so safe here that the security here is just a it's a passing thought. Right, right. You know, it's taken for granted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, what are you? You know, I, I know you're in the security business, and there's a lot of confidential stuff that you're working on. What are things that you can share that you're working that you're working towards in the next two years, five years that are that are you know helping the global global clients that you guys have? Well, we're going to be, mm. uh, like I said, we're going to be, mm. uh, like I mentioned, Mastercard is announcing fingerprint biometrics for credit cards. Oh wow! But there's no way that something like that is going to be affordable for countries in Africa. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you take a look at that audio technology that we introduced to you a couple of minutes ago, right. that's something that is extremely affordable. So we can take technology like that and match it up with, a, with the same biometric, uh, but uh, in different versions of it. And we can apply that technology so to make it affordable in African countries, and in uh, not just African countries. There's, you know, there's other countries as well, Latin American countries that can't afford technology like that as well. And um, uh, we're hoping, basically, to help those countries in need uh, with you know the best security that we can get to them. Right, right. So, so it, it, you know, and everything we do, as you know, the, you know, there's so many aspects to business. Where do you seek advice, you know, from in your business? Is you know some 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 people have certain mentors, or there do you guys you know do you work with? Uh, how how do you get advice when someone needs something? Let's say we need a certain part that we're missing in the equation to make this thing, this sure. future uh, this future project or prototype. Uh, our our um, our line of business, we're pretty fortunate to uh, have uh, an unbelievably uh, brilliant supply chain. Uh, I, you know, I hate to say it, but even though we're really good at what we do, uh, we're nothing compared to uh, the things that some of our suppliers do. Uh, guys like NXP, um, ST Micro, uh, Atmel, uh, you're talking to semiconductor companies that we work with. They are currently doing some of the most 
uh, and producing some of the most amazing technology we've ever seen. And, and definitely when we have problems, uh, you know, we'll get together with a lot of them, uh, not just uh, not just CEOs, but sometimes, you know, just guys from around the company at every level of, of the company, from, uh, you know, manufacturing to production, uh, marketing, uh, because sometimes a product isn't just about how secure it is, but how usable it is. Um, you know, security is is as much a, a balance between, uh, you know, comfort, usability as it is with the security of it. So, again, going back to tap and pay, uh, extremely, you know, uh, uh, really easy for you to use, but absolutely useless as security goes, right? right? But then if we make something super, super, super secure, then it's almost impossible to make it easy for somebody to use or comfortable to use and then they'll never use it. So uh, when we produce products or we look at producing products, we uh, sometimes we do roundtable discussions, sometimes uh, we get third, uh, third party companies to, to do um, you know hosted parties for us where they'll ask regular people what they think about uh, suggested products, uh, how they think the product should be designed, uh, how they should be used, uh, you know, all kinds of things, what the suggested retail price would be, uh, uh, and we don't just uh, select certain types of people. We go to even uh, uh, past customers and, uh, you know, customers that we'd like to have. Uh, we'll go to companies we've never worked with and say, you know, if you could have something that you really wanted uh, to do this for your employees, what would it be? And, you know, what would be the target price? And sometimes uh, you'd be surprised that the best engineers come from your customers themselves. So basically you engage... So you ask the question to your current clients and also potential clients to get a good overall. You know, you know, if they had a if they had a magic wand, what would that be? And that's right. a, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of people, a lot of companies don't do this at time. But I mean, if you really care about w- what the world needs and in the in that side of the world, you you need to you need to really uh, ask that those hard questions and and uh, get it done. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what what would you do? You know, what would you wish you had known when you started out so twenty years ago? Say, I wish I knew this. It would have been it'd been a lot easier to you know when you when you first started you know the company. What you know what are things that you would have wished you had known when you started or got uh, that answer? Well, I, w- I would have wished I had known how much money it would have cost me. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, uh, I I I guess um, understanding. Mm. Uh, how better to delegate certain things, right. uh, which, you know, which of the things that we did over the years, uh, we've delegated certain things and, you know, and not done things for others. And sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. Uh, sometimes the, the issue of not delegating a process has caused delays. And sometimes delegating it has cost us millions of dollars. Right. Because the person we delegated the process to was inexperienced, missed missed something, and cost us millions of dollars. So um, it's hard to say, but um, I, I think that you just have to you have to look at experience. We always, you know, always try to learn from experience and apply all that experience to each step uh, in, as carefully as we can every time we approach a new project. Yeah, I mean vetting vetting suppliers, vetting employees, making sure that you know the 
that that they're, they're the right fit it, it is a very difficult for a lot of companies I, i'm hearing that all the time and and you know it's like they want to work but they it, it's like they want to be part of it but they you know they're they're telling you certain things and you almost have to really you know there's a vetting process that we're finding ourselves that when we're trying to work with suppliers or or hiring employees that they're the right fit and you know we made our own mistakes many many years ago thinking you know sometimes it's not even about the you know where they where they get their education from is their passion and, and they really care about the vision of where you know where your company's going and it's it's important to to vet those and and a different kind of questionnaire or you know really really diving in is is uh yeah uh, yeah i guess like, that's true yeah what are you you know what are you cu- curious about right now what, what's uh you know what's what are you obsessed about now what's uh yeah. uh we are um looking into a lot of things uh with uh wireless technologies and when i say that i don't mean your typical Wi-Fi or Bluetooth-type technologies. We're speaking about uh, UHF uh, uh, wave band uh, type technology, and where for most of, most of the people uh, like you and I at our age, UHF was uh, an antenna that we used to stick on the back of our television to uh, watch uh, TV stations that we right. couldn't couldn't get on cable. But uh, UHF uh, wavelengths today are used uh, to transmit. Uh, custom IoT devices up to 7 to 10 kilometers. Uh, they're used uh, for remote controls on drones uh, to control drones up to 100 kilometers away. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the things you can do with uh, wireless technologies today are really exciting and that's something that uh, we're looking into uh, actively now. There, there was, a, there was a, a, um, a video I saw and that these people in, in Europe or I think it's Netherlands and they're chipping their, their it's like a little little grain of rice and they're putting into their into their hands and they're and they're and people are just exploding saying oh you know big brothers listening to you but but it's it's a chip that you know it's a chip that goes into your hands but it's not wireless like they can't track you from 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 satellites right i mean people are getting paranoid i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but if it's going to make your life a lot easier then you don't have to carry keys and and i have a lot of keys and they're in my pocket and sometimes you know you end up having bruises on your leg because you know, the keys are, are well, jabbing your that, leg that, i mean you know yeah well that, that chip under a skin novelty was uh, i mean it was done as a prank more than anything or was else, it but, <laughs> yeah but i mean uh, all the all that they're doing is uh taking uh the same the same sort of chip that exists in your credit card and they're just uh, planting it subdermally uh in your hand right uh just under the skin and uh, remember I told you that uh, we can read credit cards in an elevator right. or we can read people's credit cards at an airport. Uh, you know, the bigger the antenna, the greater the distance you can read. So if you have an antenna that's, say, maybe a couple of feet wide, mm-hmm. um, you can read people, you know, possibly as far as, uh, you know, uh, 15 to 20 feet away. Wow. Even... Right? Even though that 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 little rice granular rice size chip is in your say your yeah. between your yeah. thumb, like yeah. there, but there's no battery inside. How how does it doesn't don't you have to be like a couple of inches from that that chip? Like well again again that's oh, you all need, on the right. but that's all the transmit power of the antenna right right transmit and receive power. So if you're able to send enough energy to that chip to wake it up, mm-hmm. then it will wake up, transmit a signature and you'll be able to read that signature. 
so the you know in the old days you could only get as good as 10 centimeters in terms of read distance but uh, today I mean if you look at uh, even when you go to the border um, uh, when you have your uh, your your uh, your tags your uh, your wireless cards and wireless tags and whatnot they can read those you know up to uh, eight to ten meters away that's 30 feet right right yeah I mean yeah I mean it's it's information that you know you know if you look at wireless uh, stickers they put in cars for underground garages you can read those up to 30 feet away interesting that, that doesn't have a battery either right 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 so you have all these things going on I'm sure you've got a lot of meetings and 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 meetings with the software engineers meeting with the hardware engineers like how do you manage your time in a in a really you know packed full day how do you you know I'm sure in the past when you first started you were probably saying yes this is what I'm here you know speaking to a lot of other other leaders in their in their in their industries they're saying you know I used to say yes but now I have to learn how to say no to a lot of things because if you say yes to everything you're just gonna wear thin out you know you know, wear yourself out how do you like how do you manage your time and all those things well, are happening carefully carefully, carefully. <laughs> I mean uh, again like with experience you basically right. have to come to understand what's important to you in any given day and what isn't so you know uh, what's fluff and what isn't and uh, you know uh, when you were younger uh, you know you used to mm -hmm. try and listen to everybody try and take uh, requests from everyone right. and you'd realize you end up wasting a lot of time working uh, 20 hour days not getting much done right. trying to understand why you didn't get anything done uh, today and you know I uh, I leave the office at six o'clock, and I get probably more done uh, from uh, you know from ten to six than I did working twenty hours ten years ago. Right. Uh, through a combination of you know uh, using good uh, conferencing software uh, like mm -hmm. uh, either with uh, you know Outlook or uh, Google, um, uh, the fact that uh, our phones have become so good at uh, you know being able to remind us and keep us up to date. Right. Uh, you know, we didn't have those tools 10 years ago. Um, and now your phone beeps every 10 seconds. So, I mean, if you plan carefully and, uh, and, uh, and just keep, uh, and just learn to remember that, uh, you know, look at the things that are important for your company to function properly, then you'll understand which meetings are more important on a daily basis than are not. Do you think like having many meetings a week is efficient, or is there a better way? I'm always I'm always trying to find that answer, right? So, <laughs> well, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I mean, yeah. I can um, if somebody doesn't want to have a meeting during the day and would rather do it at 8 p.m. a couple hours after dinner. Right. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind doing things at other people's convenience right. as long as that time is being used uh, properly. You know, economically and fruitfully for the purpose of what we're doing uh, if someone says can we have a meeting tonight at 9 p.m. and it's a waste of time I'm gonna get angry but uh, if we do and it's really fruitful and we get a lot done again I don't mind um, but uh, again you have to separate the chaff from the wheat in order to you know in order to figure out what you need to get done properly so so before your meeting I'm sure you asked for for an agenda right is there an agenda so what's agenda what are we talking about before you before you before you agree to a meeting you probably ask, do you ask for an agenda or you just you ask no I, I think I have to agree to the meeting first okay I mean, typically 
you know, the meeting will be about a particular topic, right? Right. So if the topic is engineering for a project and uh, we've got to look at a bill of materials uh, meeting, then I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to be pretty sure of what that meeting's about. And I mean, every business is different. So I right, mean, right. what I, how I prioritize my meetings may not be the same way you do. Right. Uh, but uh, again, it has to be about what's important to you on, on any given day. Right, right. Would you would you quit your job if you won the lottery, even though you love your current position? Like, no, you, no, no. I I like what I do too much, and even if I wasn't doing the same right. thing, it would always be some sort of uh, technology related function uh, position. Right. Um, I don't think I could ever really retire. I, I don't think I don't think retiring is the right answer for people. Right. Uh, and I, I'm not speaking broadly about everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking about myself and for people like me uh, who like to keep busy. Um, I mean, you can go on vacation for only so long, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, even people that go to Florida only go to Florida for three months. Yeah. I mean, after that, you're just as bored there as you are here. Right. So uh, I, think it, I, I think as you get older, the more you keep your mind busy, uh, the more healthy you are. And uh, I, I don't have a problem with working until I'm 90. Right. No, I, I, I hear stories all the time. The person retired and he died. I'm like, oh, my God. Or as soon as the person, a month later, he got depressed and he, and he basically just faded away, which is sad. I mean, you know, you, you build all these years of experience to, 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 you know, get to where you are. And then, and then you don't even want to, you, you know, you retire and you can't even share this information. And, and again, this is one of my reasons why I'm, I'm sharing, you know, these topics because, you know, experience after doing 30 years, you, you know, you, know you, you get to see a lot of, of what's going on in the world and how things are changing and, uh, and, and you know, newer generations have different viewpoints. So it, it, it's nice to see and be able to share this information and it's great. Again, thank you so much, Rocky. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm happy that you're, you know, my guest and uh, again, let's... Uh, if it's, you know, in the future, of course, anything with security, we'll, we'll touch bases again, and we'll, and we'll do episode uh, 65. <laughs> All right, thanks, John. Thanks okay, for Okay, take care, me. man. We'll talk take soon. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.